Church, y'all look great today. I think the spring weather making everybody just come out, come alive. You look awesome. We are going to begin a new teaching series today, but before we do that, I want to turn your attention, if you're a dad in the room with a daughter, to an event that I just want to make sure that you know about that's upcoming. It's our, father's, our father-daughter dance. We've done it each year around Valentine's Day. If you have been as a dad and you've taken your daughter, I have. It is a memory maker. It's something that your daughter will look forward to, will remember, will be like, this is awesome. And it gives you as a dad an opportunity to take your daughter out on a date. You come up here, Ellen and the kids team put together some great activities, food. It is a special evening. And that's coming up. It is on Friday, February 21st from 6.30 to 8 p.m. So I want to make sure that you know about it. I know we've had a lot going on in our church with the prayer and fasting time, with world mandate, with other things that are going on. I just want to make sure if you're a dad, you know about this because that is sure to be a special evening. And you can register for it on our website uh, if you would like to be a part. Okay, if you'll open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, that's where we're going to be today. Revelation chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there are ones underneath the seat in front of you that you can take out. You can keep, that's our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, you can pull out the Bible on your phone or your tablet. Or if you brought one with you, way to go. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Now, you guys know, probably if you've been a part of our church for a little bit, that we are on a year-long spiritual growth initiative, kind of under this larger heading called Prepare the Feast. And what Prepare the Feast is all about, for those of you that are new, it's this idea that when the people of Jesus come together, filled with the love of Jesus, when we use our spiritual gifts, the gifts God's given to each one of us, right? when we use those together as the body of Christ, it creates a feast for people from all places in our city to be able to come into and to encounter the life-changing love and presence of Jesus Christ. To encounter the life-changing relationships that can be found in the local church. And to become the people, live out the calling that God's given them to be. When we come together, God has that kind of calling on us. And because we believe that every follower of Jesus has spiritual gifts, one of our goals in this initiative is to help everyone who's a part of our church learn about their spiritual gifts. Learn about the talents, the strengths, the abilities that God's placed in your life the treasures that he's put within you. We want you to know those things. And then knowing those things, we don't want that just to be kind of some information we put on a desk, on a bookshelf somewhere, or a hard drive somewhere, or get lost in our email somewhere. But it's something that we take and we say, hey, these are things that God has entrusted to me. These are gifts that God has given me. I want to put those to use for his glory. And so we want to challenge everyone, we want to encourage everyone, we want to create an environment of positive peer pressure for everyone to join a serve team, a place to serve alongside brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, alongside brothers and sisters within our church, and to use your spiritual gifts with your serve team on mission for our city. That's our goal for this year. That's what we're pursuing. That's what we're growing in. And so many of you have jumped in and are playing a part, taking steps in that and experiencing life and growth and breakthrough. And I want to tell you about a couple stories because it relates to where we're going in our, in our sermon series. Uh, one testimony that I heard from someone who had kind of taken the charge and started serving through this time 
said, hey, I've got these gifts, I've got these talents, I want to start serving. So they've been serving consistently, and their observation was, wow, the consistency of serving with my spiritual gifts has given me a new level of purpose and intentionality in my everyday life. Because I realize I'm taking these things that God has entrusted to me, and I'm putting them to work for his glory. Along the way, through serving, I've also built new relationships that have become really meaningful to me, new friendships that I've found as I've served alongside others. That's awesome. So we benefit when we serve. We benefit when we use our spiritual gifts. We grow. We get things out of it. But other people do as well. And you guys know we just finished a time, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I heard a testimony from one life group that that life group, as they went through that time of praying for one another, of fasting, of seeking the Lord for breakthrough, uh, they were going to have an evening where they gathered at the end of the time to share testimonies of what God had done over the three-week period. And they said there were so many testimonies of breakthrough that had been experienced that they had to extend it to the following week. So they're planning for one evening just to kind of review, and they had to say, well, we gotta do this again next week because there were people who had gotten breakthroughs who hadn't even gotten a chance to share. That's amazing, right? Unbelievable. The story behind the story, though, because there's always a story behind the story, is that that life group was able to experience those kind of breakthroughs because some people, a group of people, some friends said, hey, we'll open up our home, we'll open up our apartment, We'll clean every week. We'll make sure that it's ready. We'll make it a hospitable environment. Now, it's not that y'all's houses are never dirty, I'm sure. But you know what I mean. When you have people over, you're getting stuff ready. And they're committed to doing that. They're committed to showing up. They're committed to using their gifts of hospitality and leadership and pastoral care to create a home for people, a spiritual home for people within our city to come and to experience the type of relationships that would inspire you to pray and to believe the Lord for breakthrough, and then experience so many breakthroughs that you have to carry it over into the next time just to tell all the stories. That's amazing. Those are little tastes of what Prepare the Feast is all about. And in January, we talked about that there really isn't a feast without joy. When you think of feast, you think of joy. And so we have been learning about God's passion and his plan for our joy. We've been growing in joy. And I don't know if you realize it, but so many people within our church and when we come together have been experiencing a breakthrough in the joy of the Lord. We hit it in several places during world mandate, during worship, where it was like things just went to another level. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. A new level of joy. I heard it in our volunteer huddle, our serve team huddle this morning, just this next level joy. And one of our pastors said, hey, this is a time to burn the bridges and not go back. That this breakthrough in joy is not something, man, that was a good thing for January. But we are committed to walking in God's joy for our lives and God's joy for our church. Amen? Amen. Now, The other thing that I think is so important when we're talking about prepare the feast is to make sure that we all know who the center of the feast is. To make sure that we know. Because when we're preparing the feast, when we're using our spiritual gifts, when we're serving, when we're living on mission, yes, it is to reach and to bless people. 
It's to create a home for people that don't have a spiritual home, a family for people that don't have a spiritual family, a relationship with God for people that don't have a relationship with God, a place for people to find healing and life and transformation. We are passionate about people. But hear me, people are never the center of the story. And that's uncomfortable to hear. We're like, whoa, what do you mean by that? Listen, people are important. People are a priority. People matter to God, and they matter to us. But mankind, you and me, we are not the center of the story. People are never the center of the story. Jesus is the center of the story. And when you realize that Jesus is the center, and you're not, I'm not, I have a part to play, but I'm not the main part. You have a part to play, but you're not the main part. You know what you find in that place? You find freedom. It relieves so much pressure that I have to make my life matter because it's so important. And I realize, no, 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 my life matters because of him. And when he's central, then I can breathe. And so much of the anxiety that we feel and the pressure we feel is because we're trying to do it all and we're trying to be the center of the story. And when we realize we're not, it just brings peace and freedom and life. And when we're talking about preparing the feast, right, we are talking about coming together to reach people. But I just want to remind everyone, a feast, uh, this feast is not a feast without Jesus in the middle of it. I was at a birthday party recently. It was a surprise party, and I was excited to see everyone there. We were talking to one another, but what are we waiting on? We're waiting on the birthday boy to come, right? And everyone's waiting. It's like, what time are they going to get here? I hope I parked in the back so they're not going to see me, you know, that my car is out there or whatever. And then when he comes in, everybody cheers, and the party starts. Okay, And as we're preparing the feast, I just want to make sure that we all know, and because we have so many different people from so many different backgrounds in our church, I think it's just important from now and again to just rally around this together again, is that Jesus is the center. And when we come together, we are encountering Jesus. That's part of our mission, to be sons and daughters who encounter Jesus. And we want Jesus and his presence just to be central to everything that we do. It's about him. It's about him and them, but it's ultimately about him. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next uh, few weeks because I realize that for some of you, you're, you're seasoned in the Lord. You love Jesus. You've been walking with him. And what I'm going to share with you is not new information, new material. But this is one of those things that we need to be inspired around, encouraged around, reminded around, even, even uh, just, I don't know, stirred up around is Jesus and his presence in our midst. And for some of you, this is like you're making your way back to church or you're making your way back to God and this is gonna be new information for you. But man, this is life-changing truth that we're about to go through. Revelation chapter three, verse 20. Jesus speaking to the church at Laodicea. And he says this, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And we'll dine with him and he with me. Jesus standing there speaking to the church and saying, Behold, if you hear my voice, which I just want you to know, Jesus is speaking. The problem is not 
with his voice. He's actually talking to them right then. He's asking, are you hearing me? Are you listening? Is your ear open? If you hear my voice, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him or her or them, and I will dine with them, right? You get that image of a feast, and they will dine with me. Jesus was speaking to his people, saying, I want to come by my presence, and I want to be with you. I want to be in your midst. I want to dine with you. I'm going to have relationship with you. I want to know you, and I want to walk with you, and I'm going to surround you with my presence. And I'm knocking on the door, and I'm desiring to enter in. But for me to enter in, it takes you to open the door and create space for me to come in. Right? He's talking about his presence. And so I want to talk about, in this series of talks, a sermon series called Hosting God's Presence. Hosting God's presence. Now let's make sure we break that down. Hosting. Okay, I thought you just said Jesus was the center. Jesus was the king. He's in charge of everything. And it's true. He is. And in God's wisdom, in his sovereignty, he has decided that the way he wants to do it is in partnership with mankind. That he created Adam and Eve and he set them over the earth with authority and dominion and rule. And each one of us has been given authority and dominion over our lives to a level, over a space here, over time here. And just like uh, an owner of a house might have a renter, right, someone who rents from them, the owner owns the house, but, but they have entrusted to a renter an ability to occupy that house and to run it within certain boundaries and guidelines. And you would hate to have an owner a landlord who just comes and enters in and shows up anytime they want. They have the key. They just enter in. They start eating stuff out of your fridge. Like, that would be a very weird landlord. Some of you might have a landlord like that. Weird landlord. If you're a landlord, don't do that, right? <laughs> you, you want your landlord to let you know when they're coming to check in on things, right? And there's this level of, of trust. In a similar way, what we see here in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm knocking on the door. I'm not going to slam it open. I'm not going to come up in your house if you're like, I don't want you up in my house. Right? I'm going to knock, and you have the opportunity to open. Right? You have the opportunity to host me. You have the opportunity to allow me to come into your space, your house, your heart, your church, your city. Allow me to come in. And dine with you and eat with you and be with you and be in you in my presence and me in your presence. But it's not an automatic. It's not a forced. It's not a I'm going to run you over. It is I'm knocking. And I want to see who opens the door, who wants that. Right? That's why we call it hosting. And we want to be a people that learn to host God's presence. We want, to be a learned, we want to be a people who learn to open the door of our lives and our hearts and our church and our city to him and to create space for him to come in, to dine with us and us with him. That's hosting. Now, God's presence. This can be a confusing term because uh, when we think about God's presence, we're like, well, isn't he everywhere? And yes, God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. 
And yet what scripture teaches us and what you can experience and what I hope you experience through uh, these next several weeks is that God's presence can be experienced in personalized ways. That there are times and places to people and communities where God's powerful, majestic, awe-inspiring king of the heavens can't be contained in any house or home presence becomes, it just grows in our awareness. We begin to sense it. We begin to feel it. We begin to become aware of God is here. The way the scriptures speak of it, the way they, that we translate in English God's presence, the scriptures will speak of God's face. That's like he turns near in a special way, in a way where you and I realize, wow, God is here. It's in the way that scriptures would say like, that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. The omnipresent God becoming present in our senses, in our realization, in our experience in a greater way. That's the beginning idea of God's presence. Now, the second thing when we think of God's presence is for you to know that in Scripture, when God's presence comes in that kind of what we call manifest or observable way, tangible way, experiential way, that remarkable things happen, that people are healed, that people are delivered, that things begin to change and shake because God's presence is there. And everywhere his presence goes, life springs forth. So we want to be a people that learn to host God's presence. So back to our passage, Revelation 3, verse 20. This idea of Jesus knocking is a great picture. Uh, If you're here today and you're not sure if you're a Christian Maybe you know you're not a Christian, but you're, you're interested. You've shown up today. Someone invited you. Someone brought you. You found us on a website. You're, you're here. You know, and you're trying to figure it out. This is such a great picture of what Jesus wants to initiate with you. Because the story of Scripture is this, that God created you and me, created every person on the planet in his own image, created us for a purpose, created us for a destiny, created us for a relationship with him, and he did it motivated by love. God not only created you and me, but he created all of the world, everything you see, all of the universe, everything that is, came through him. And he designed us and he designed the world in such a way that we would live and we would flourish and we would find life. We'd have relationship with him. We'd have relationship with one another and we'd live a full and abundant life. That's God's desire. When we look around the world, though, we realize that's not the way that it is. We can look on the headlines of the newspapers. We can look within our heart and realize things are not perfect. Things are not fully alive. Things are broken. Things are messed up, right? And the reason for that brokenness is what the Bible calls sin. That mankind, Adam and Eve, and all of us, rather than saying, God, we want to go your way. We want to walk under your leadership. We want to follow you. We said, no, no, we'll take it from here. We want to do things our own way. We don't want you to be the center of the story. We want to be the center of the story. We don't want you to be our king. We want to be our own king. We don't want you to be our creator. We want to be our own creator and create our own lives. And we see that each and every day. And the fruit of that. When we turn from God, when we disconnected from our creator, from our source, from our sustainer, what happened was things broke down. 
right off the bat, there's fighting between Adam and Eve. There's brokenness within marriage. Their kids, one kills another. There's murder. There's violence. So on and so forth to where you see the world around us and the brokenness that is. But God loved us so much, he didn't leave us there in that sin. But he has a plan to redeem a broken world. And he sent Jesus. Jesus is God's perfect design. He's the son of God. He's the eternal, uncreated son of the Father, loved by the Father, sent to humanity. God with skin on. He lived a perfect life. He loved people. He healed the sick. He cared for the poor. He taught the truth, right? And he ends up crucified on a cross for your sin and mine, for your brokenness and mine. And he rises again on the third day to give new life to whoever would say, Jesus, we want that. To whoever would open the door, so to speak. And his knock, his voice, his calling, this good news is not limited to a few people here or there. But it's God so loved the world. That means that's his heart and invitation for everyone. And so if you're here today, you might know about Jesus You might be familiar with the story that I just shared, but the question is, have you responded to his knock? Have you responded to his invitation? Have you said, Jesus, I want you. I want your life. I want your forgiveness. I want to go your way. I want to repent of my sin and to follow you. Right? That's responding to the knock, and maybe that's your decision today. Maybe that's your step today. I actually believe that each one of us, God has a step for us today towards his plans and his purposes for our lives, and maybe that's your step. But what I want to point out to you, as important as that step is, is that this message given here in Revelation 3 was not given to people who had not yet decided to follow Jesus. It's a great picture of what it looks like to start following Jesus, but these words were not given to non-Christians who needed to become followers of Jesus. These words were given to the church. These words were given to God's people. These words were given to people who had already responded to the initial knock. And this is an ongoing knock. Not one that's like, man, I did that in junior high, or I did that in high school, or I did that in college, or I did that last week, and I kind of got that under control. No, no, no. This is a knock that's for all of us on an ongoing basis that the Lord is knocking, and he's wanting to know, can I come in? Can I come in and dine with you? Can I come in and be with you? Can I come in and speak to you? Can I come in and spend time together? It's an ongoing knock. Now, a number of years ago, when we lived overseas, um, we met an interesting knocker. Let me just tell you that. Uh, We were at a a team meeting, all of our team that we were working with, and uh, there was a lady that we had befriended that I think had some, uh, probably some mental problems. And uh, she would often come over and want to kind of be the center of attention. Uh, And one particular day, she came over and she started knocking on the door, and we knew it was her. We'd already talked with her. We'd already worked with her. And we're like, we, we, we're, just, we're just, if we don't answer, she'll go away, and we'll kind of keep doing what we're doing, and we'd love her at another time. But right then, we were doing something. Well, she didn't stop. She knocked straight for half an hour on the door. Wow, that's amazing, huh? That's some endurance. She was a serious knocker. I want, I want you to know that Jesus is more persistent 
than our friend who knocked for half an hour, right? He, he, he's, he's knocking. He's knocking at each one of you. He was knocking on your door last month. He was knocking on your door uh, last week. He'll be knocking on your door next week. He's committed to you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to come in. He's not saying you have to jump through a whole lot of hoops for me to come in. He's just saying you just have to open your door. You have to open your door. You have to open the door of your heart. You have to open the door of your church. You have to open the door of your house. You have to open the door of your city. I want to come in. But you have to respond to the knock. I think that's my question for you today, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth. Are we in a spot in our hearts and in our lives where we're hearing his voice and we're opening up to him? Because I wonder what it was for this church at Laodicea that, that, that moved them away from that. That made to where Jesus felt like, I need to speak this to you. Maybe they were distracted. Maybe they were disappointed. Maybe they were disillusioned. Maybe they were longing after other things. Something was going on in their life that had turned their attention from Jesus and from his presence and from his invitation to you. And I imagine we could go around the room and talk about any number of things that vie and compete for our attention that might keep us from responding to the knock. And I don't know what those are, but you probably do. And I want to challenge you today to consider if there are some things that we need to put down, some things we need to put away, some things we need to repent of, some dreams we need to let go in order to open up the door of our lives again for the presence of Jesus. Now, I uh, first kind of started learning about this around 20 years ago uh, as I was reading in the Old Testament book of Exodus, learning about the life of Moses. And I read that God used to speak to Moses face to face like a man speaks to a friend. And I don't know if you ever had a time where you read a verse in scripture that it just kind of grabs your attention. And you're like, this is absolutely amazing. If you've never had one of those times, I would love to help you have one of those times. But this was one of those times where I would just spend day after day, every time I'd read the Bible, I would just come back to this verse. And I was amazed by this idea that God could relate to you in such a way that it would be face to face like a man speaking to a friend. It was my first introduction to the idea of the presence of God. I was familiar with Christianity as a moral system. I was familiar with Christianity as a uh, philosophy. I was familiar with Christianity as historical truth. But this idea of you could have that kind of living relationship with God, that was new to me. And it was fascinating to me. And so I started to search and I started to ask him, like, why haven't I known about this? How do I relate to God like this? And started trying to learn about it. And there was a lady that helped me uh, who, who her name is Jean Guyon. She is a French, uh, she lived in France in the 1600s or so. Very interesting lady. I had a friend who gave me a book as I was asking these questions. Said, hey, you should read this book. It's called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. And in the book, uh, the Guyon story is she came from a really rough home. And so even as a young child, the way she found comfort and kind of dealt with all the pain and dysfunction in her home was through prayer was through seeking the Lord. So even at the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, she was known for her prayer life. 
At age 12, she tried to run away to go into a monastery to become a nun and to give her life to prayer. She had that kind of hunger for God, that kind of response to his knocking. Her parents intervened. They married her off to someone she didn't want to be married to into a very painful relationship there. And there in that relationship, even though it was very painful, it's not what she wanted to do, she found the Lord at a new depth. She found his presence there in the midst of her pain. And she developed such spiritual authority and influence in her generation that leaders from all around, though she was untrained, though she was uneducated, there was just a great awareness of the presence of God on her life. And leaders from all around would come and they would seek her out for spiritual counsel and wisdom and guidance. And at one point she was jailed. She was put in jail because the government viewed her as a threat because so many people looked to her uh, for spiritual leadership. So within jail, she didn't have much to do, right? She ends up writing, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. And in that book, she talks about this idea of hosting God's presence, something that she had learned locked away in a prison in the midst of a very painful life, but finding God's presence in the midst of her pain. And what she said in that book, it was uh, stunning to me because she said, here's the secret. Here's what you need to know. God's favorite thing is to reveal his presence. God's favorite thing is to reveal his presence. It is not that he is hard to find. When you come into faith, when you begin to follow Jesus, he takes his Holy Spirit and he puts his spirit within you. He marks you with his presence. And she said, this is so important because so many people go looking for God over here or over there. If I can just go here or get that person to pray for me or read that book or do this deal. And she said, those are good. But the way to experience, to host God's presence is not to look out there, but to look within at the Holy Spirit whom he's given you. And as you turn there, as you turn to the Spirit, you'll begin to experience the presence of God. You'll begin to host the presence of God. And that was stunning to me because it was the first time that I had heard or seen or, or read of someone who said, here is how you can experience God's presence. It wasn't just, here's an idea, God's presence wants to show up, but it was, she walked through in that book, walked through how I could, as just a guy trying to figure things out, experience God's presence. So I took her advice, I followed some different exercises she gave related to scripture and prayer, and I began to experience his presence on a regular basis, on a way that I could like lean into and rely on and count on. And what my hope is during this series is that we would walk through some of those things because I know it's one thing to be like, man, I, I believe in God's presence. I want God's presence. I just know it's also, we just need to be mentored and shown the way in. And that passage from Mo in Exodus that I talked about with Moses, it says of him that God was speaking to him face to face like a man speaks to a friend. And it said his servant Joshua, who had become the leader of the people, was there in the tent with him. Joshua had someone show him the way to host God's presence, right? And we all need that. And so my hope over the coming weeks is that we could learn together, we could grow together how to host God's presence. 
And my hope is that your heart would become a place that hosts God's presence, that your home would be a place that hosts God's presence, that our church would be a place that hosts God's presence, and that our city would be a place that hosts God's presence. And so that's where we're going, and that's what we're going to pursue over the coming weeks. And I would love for you to be a part. If you hear the knocking as we read God's word, and you're like, man, I want to host more of God's presence in my life. I want that face-to-face like a man speaks to a friend. I want people, when they see me, to say, man, that person has been with Jesus, right? That's where we're going, and that's what we're going to pursue. And with that, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to go to God together as we start this journey by taking communion. Uh, and, and before we take communion, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's here, who when I was talking about Jesus knocking at the door, that you've never made that first opening. You've never said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I realize I'm a sinner in need of your grace. You never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or maybe you did that a long time ago. And you've just been ignoring his knock for a long time. And you came today because you're trying to make your way back to God. And I want you to know that God loves you and he is pursuing you. I actually believe he brought you here. And that he wants you and that wants to help you and wants to help you get back with him. And so i just like to ask everyone for a moment, if you would bow your heads, please. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're saying, man, I need to, I need Jesus in my life. I want to make him the Lord of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just here in this private moment. If that's you, if you would just put up your hand, I'm not going to call you up on stage, not going to single you out, but there's something about just taking a step of faith. And we're going to pray for you. If you just raise your hand, if that's you. Praise God. We're going to say uh, this prayer. And church, I'd encourage you to say it along with me. If you had your hand raised, just say these words. God's not really actually looking at the specificity of the words, but he's looking at your heart. So if you don't get it perfect, that's okay. But we're going to say, Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for my sins. Thank you that you rose again to give me new life. I choose to follow you today and every day forward the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, that's such a significant step in your relationship with God. For everyone else, we're going to come and we're going to take communion. And as you come forward, we remember Jesus' body broken for us, his blood poured out for us as we take of the bread and the cup. The way we do it here is the worship team is going to lead us. And when you're ready, you can uh, come to the center of the aisle or the aisle closest to you. Come forward, come up and take of the bread, take of the cup, return to your seat. And as you're seated and the worship team leads us, just take of the bread and the cup and remember Jesus. Let's go to him with the words that we've been given today.
between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written And Jesus Christ, my living hope Who could imagine so great a mercy What heart could fathom such boundless grace The God of ages stepped down from glory to where my sin no claim on 